Hello, I'm Rhiannon, and you're listening to Global Questions, the podcast breaking down international news and politics. Today on the show, part four of our in-depth series on technology. Just in March, Russia and China signed a deal to jointly build a base on the moon and orbiting at the moon in a really extraordinary announcement that really shows that Russia sees its future with the Chinese. The 1967 Outer Space Treaty stipulates that the exploration and use of outer space should be carried out for the benefit and in the interests of all countries. But as with any contemporary political issue, the exploration of space has proven to be much more complicated than this. So does space law actually constrain the behaviour of states and companies? Do we have a responsibility to care for the environment in space? Is there actually a space race between the US and China? And if so, what are the stakes? To be so bold, to want to know whether we're alone or with other intelligent life, and we can't even get along on this planet, country to country. Today's guest is Leonard David, a space journalist from the US who has been reporting on space activities for over 50 years. We chat about political tensions over the space race, potential militarization of space, legal and political space regulations, and the environmental protection of space and how this needs to be addressed for the future. Leonard, welcome to the Global Questions podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I think this is a real rare opportunity for me to talk to young space diplomats that are (laughs) urgenting to get out there and fix things. I'm ready to share some ideas and I look forward to their comments. Awesome. We're very excited to have you on the podcast today. As you've just mentioned, we'll be talking all things space. But to kick us off, are you able to give us a brief introduction into who you are, your work, and how you came to be interested in the realm of space? Well, I'm a space journalist, whatever that means to people. My mom told me to look up when I was very, very young, and I fell in love with space. This is pre-Sputnik. October 4th, 1957 is when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik, but I was in Texas at the time and saw probably the rocket body that put up the first artificial satellite overhead, and I got glued into this big time. It was beyond astronomy. It was something else coming. You could feel it. The space race was alive and well. People forget how onerous the space race was. You know, who would wear the combat boots in space and be ahead of the other country? It was big. I suppose, bring me to my first question, it's quite a broad one, but you've talked about the legacy of the space race. But as it stands today, how are we using space and how do you kind of see this change in the future? You know, you you look at where we've come from, it's been pretty amazing from weather gathering to climate change data to anti-satellite testing to startling satellites that are clogging up the heavens and getting the astronomers all abuzz, fouling up their uh, astronomy from the ground. The question is no longer, are we alone? It's how crowded is it? Anyway, we can talk a little bit about that later. And then you have, I think, one of the worrisome trends, weaponization, militarization of space. I think we're in trouble. I think many, many nations are, you know, uh, trying to posture themselves and be on top of the other country. And we've got an escalation of dynamic militarization going on that is very reminiscent of every other avenue that we've chosen as a human society to try to 
knock off the other country, air, mm. land, sea, ice. And now we have space, and it's also being carved up into low Earth orbit, medium Earth orbit, geostationary orbit, and now a whole new regime is popping up, cislunar space, the area between the Earth and the Moon. Personally, I'm very concerned about where we're headed. Talking now about some of the political and legal frameworks around the use of space, how do these operate and how do we govern who uses space and who's allowed to use space? Well, you know, it all goes back to the Outer Space Treaty, 1967. And depending on who I call, what space lawyer, it's either inadequate, it's been outdated, or it holds up fine. I waver between all those points, but I think we really have to look at the Outer Space Treaty as the anchor for working together in space in harmony, which is what the intent of that treaty was. But we were pretty ignorant. This is 1967, and most of the critics, I think rightly so, we didn't have a commercial space program to the extent that we see today. And that's not really covered very much at all in, in the Outer Space Treaty. You know, there, we may need some Band-Aids on that treaty. <laughs> so do you think that the way the treaty works and the way space is governed now, is this effective? Is it working? Or are there big improvements that need to be made? I think there's big improvements that need to be made. And, you know, one of the problems that people bring up, at least in my ear, there's no teeth to these treaties. Mm -hmm. you, you don't hold anybody accountable. This is kind of hand-waving. There's nothing there that says, if you do this, there's some repercussions. Mm. I mean, we're going through this with uh, the sanctions with Russia now with Ukraine. They put some teeth in there in those sanctions. seems to me that we got to go back and, and really kind of fine-tune not only with government, because it, back then it was just the former Soviet Union and the United States. Now we have dozens of countries that have space capabilities, and they have to be held accountable for what they're doing and what impact they may have on other, other nations that are using space. I want to talk about the environment of space and resources. Obviously, there's a really big global push for environmental protection at the moment, especially from kind of the emerging generations. It's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds with climate change and global warming. But how important is this discussion when we talk about space exploration? Should we be worried about damaging the environment in space? And how much danger does space exploration pose to the overall environment? Well, it's too late. Mm. We've already damaged space. The environment of space is cluttered mm -hmm. with junk from decades of launches and even just a few days ago, more satellites went up. This is really a cluttered environment and how are we gonna sort this out? And uh, you know what kind of regimes have been set up early? Again, there's not any teeth in some of these space laws and all these regulations. It's gonna be hell to try to you know, get rid of debris. We've got some early test satellite programs that are trying to deal with debris, but it's so little too late in my mind. I'm more of a pessimist on that. On top of the other bad news, you need wake-up calls on space debris. We're going to lose satellites. Your direct TV is not going to be on. There'll be Starlink go down. There'll be some kind of disruption of what society now takes as a, a normalcy of use of space. They don't even care. They just want the knob to come on and have the service. 
little knowledge about how much is entwined with space now that is part of the economic uh, wherewithal of different countries. Frankly, I was out in New Mexico one day when a satellite went out and it took out all of the gas pumps to put your credit card in there. It was run through satellites. And I, I didn't even know. I didn't have any idea about it, but it, it was a, a disruption of a service. You couldn't use your credit card and a gas pump. I think we're going to see more of that. And uh, you got countries that want to test anti-satellites and knock out everybody else's equipment. That's not that's not a good thing. <laughs> it just adds to the debris mm -hmm. that's up there already. It's a challenge. It's going to be big. And we, we're going to be bruised here in the near future. You've touched on how for individuals having those wake-up calls in everyday life bring attention to this but do you think there's anything that states can do to protect the environment or is it too late well i'm kind of a pessimist we got problems and they're going to exacerbate i think we're, we're cruising for a bruising something that i'm really big on that nobody is in my mind paying attention to the ability to re-enter satellites, they come in, you know, satellites do eventually re-enter and people go, oh, they just burn up. Well, I've looked at it and they don't just burn up. There's chemistry involved in here as those things skyrocket through the Earth's atmosphere. And you have spacecraft materials that are somewhat exotic, and they're adding, to, in my mind, to the stratospheric climate change issue. It may be minor, and I've, I've argued with scientists on this myself, but I think as the launch rate goes up and more satellites are up there and they come re-entering in, I think we have to be a little bit more circumspect about what materials are being burned up in the Earth's upper atmosphere. Every space debris guy that run an analysis of things, well, the Earth is 75% water. It just falls in the ocean. That's okay? Okay. I'm kind of worried about how we're going to dump spacecraft on purpose into the Earth's ocean. But frankly, in the last few weeks, we've had a debris falling in India, a couple other places of rocket stages that have been up there for a while come reentering in and they don't burn up and they land on land. Keep an eye on that one. That's a good one. We are always looking for new riders, whether you're here in Melbourne or abroad. Visit us at our website, theyoungdiplomats.com, under the Get Involved tab to find out more. Looking now at some kind of political implications and the current tensions over space, is there really a space race between the US and China? There's kind of reports out there that maybe this is a myth, but I want to get your opinion on this. And if there is a race between the US and China, what are some of the political implications of it? Well, I think there is. I wrote a book called Moon Rush, and I was happy to have a big segment in there about China's coming. You better stand by. And they're doing incredible space technology missions, landing on the far side of the moon, bringing samples back from the moon. They landed on Mars with the first robot the first time, and it worked, and it's still running around on Mars. China is the one to watch. Very aggressive. I'm not making a negative thing. I'm just saying they're aggressive across the field of space exploration. 
again, I'm getting old, but I was there at the beginning of the space race and this smells the same. This has all the diplomacy anchors of China expressing itself. You know, they're trying to say we're good at this and we're going to be a, a leader. And this was very similar to what the Soviet Union did with 184 pound satellites, Sputnik 1 in 1957. America went ballistic, literally, trying to understand what that diplomatic linkage meant for the world. It showed the Soviet Union, as not people driving around on tractors, grinding up wheat. These people were technologically superior to the United States at the time. So I see this as a big deal. And not that the Chinese will not have failure, because right now they're in the midst of putting their own space station together. They've had a succession of launches this year alone. Got two more human crews going up there, two more modules being attached to their space station. They want to get it done by the end of the year. And not that they can't have a failure. And I don't know what that means to them. If they lose a crew or something goes awry, it seems like any kind of human spaceflight country does experience a hiccup. So uh, China may have some kind of hiccup in their own. The bottom line to me, it's a space race. I don't care what my antagonist <laughs> email people say. <laughs> it's a race. So you mentioned this at the very start, so I suppose it's a bit of an apt way to finish. You talked about the militarization of space and kind of the implications of this and looking into the future, how do you think that the dominance of space will influence maybe a war scenario between major powers? Is this is this something that, how is this all going to unfold? Well, you figure it out and give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you back once I've worked yeah. it out. <laughs> That's a tough call. I'm just flagging things that I think are setting themselves up for aggression in space. I just read today or yesterday, you know, the Russians are trying to figure out how to knock out Starlink satellites because they're being used for communicating military information from one country to another. I guess what I'm really worried about is like precedence. Lawyers like precedence. You look at the body of law and you try to take things out of aviation law, or deep seabed law, and you try to think about space. I just see some precedents coming that are, in my mind, worrisome. And I hope I'm wrong. I just want to flag it in my articles and make people aware that we're headed down some dark pathways here. On the flip side of it all, the exploration of space is just amazing what is actually happening. We've got rovers on Mars. We've got vehicles around Jupiter. We've got spacecraft going off to Venus to look for life there. And one of the ironies of all this is that looking for life in the universe on one hand and how little we care about life on our own planet. Mm -hmm. To be so bold, to want to know whether we're alone or with other intelligent life. And we can't even get along on this planet, country to country, culture to culture. It's just really aggravating thing for me as I get older. Couldn't agree more. Look, we've covered a lot of things today. It's very interesting to have you on the podcast today. Now, you mentioned you've written a book called Moon Rush, but is there anything else you'd like to flag with our listeners? If they want to know more about you, read some of your work or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I have my own little website that I glue together uh, pretty much every day, leonarddavid.com. And I try to put on things that maybe some of the regular space of 
aficionados missed. I do try to do different things about Mars exploration. I've written about Mars for National Geographic. Our Future on the Red Planet is a book that's out there. But the moon rush was the latest. And I write for space.com. I write for Scientific American, Aerospace America. I try to keep my fingers flailing. There's just so much to write about. But as I get older and I want those young diplomats to get in on this now. (laughs) Look, Leonard, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you about space. It's great. Keep looking up. That's all for this week's in-depth episode. Join us next week for the wrap-up, Josh and Kelly's fortnightly recap of news from around the world. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for memes, quizzes, and regular news updates. Links are in the episode description. We'll see you next week.